Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Do you know what you're getting for Christmas? You do know. Mm. Uh, I'm sure that most of you are thinking about it. And the thing about Christmas is it's supposed to be a surprise, isn't it? And so uh, as we anticipate Christmas, this expectation grows inside of us. And, and I can guarantee that in seven days' time, next Sunday morning, when uh, we wake up and uh, we rush off to the Christmas tree or wherever we have our Christmas gifts, uh, there are three emotions that are going to be experienced amongst us, right? Because I know we spend a lot of time shopping and it's a lot about gifts and if you're like me, when I buy gifts, I really try and get gifts that I know that people are going to love. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, I don't do it as a matter of just getting it out of the way. And it's, it's a real bummer for me if I get it wrong. And uh, I realize that people who receive their gifts weren't terribly thrilled about it. So that means if you ever get a gift from me, you have to smile and look enthusiastic about it. But the point that I wanted to make this morning as we get going is that when it comes to unwrapping our gifts, there are going to be three reactions, okay? And I just know that you have experienced all of these reactions at one Christmas or another. The first one is a gift is going to be opened and a severe sense of disappointment is going to come over you. Either you've experienced this at some point, or you will. You know what it feels like, hey? You've had this expectation growing inside of you for something, and you open the wrapping. Now you're stuck, because inside your heart has, like a balloon, that's the, the knot has been untied, and it's just going... But you don't want to let it come out on your face. If you're me, it's really difficult to, to hide how you feel inside. Some of us, though, are awesome at it, and we'll smile and we'll look enthusiastic, but inside we'll be like, this is rubbish. Okay. Those who are laughing are the honest ones. Okay. Those who aren't laughing will be like, oh no, I'm always happy. Then there's the second group. Right? You haven't really thought about it too much. And so there are those gifts that when you open the wrapping and you look at the gift, you just feel like ambivalent. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't really know what to feel. Some of us are thinking, what on earth is this? Why am I being given this? What does this mean? Some of us now are starting to read meaning into this strange gift that we've received. Uh, we're starting to read things between the lines that were never intended. Uh, we just are confused, okay? So we're not disappointed, we're not elated, we're just like, Mleh. Have you ever had a gift like that? Go on, put your hand up, you liars. Okay. And then some of us are going to open the gift and we are going to explode with excitement. Because we have been longing for this thing and we are so delighted that we got the thing that we've been hoping for. Does anybody fall into that category for next week? This is what we want, right? We want to be delighted. Yes? yes. Thank you very much. 
We're all here. We're all participating today. Those are the three areas. Disappointed, like smiling on the outside, crying on the inside. <laughs> Ambivalent, oh, not really bothered. And others will be like, man, this is the best Christmas ever. Well, the first Christmas, the one that we're going to read about today when Jesus came, was very similar in terms of reactions. You know, the passage that we're going to read today is a prophecy about Jesus coming that happened 700 years before Jesus actually came. 700 years before, Isaiah had prophesied about Jesus coming, and there was so much in his prophecy that would give people a clue about what Jesus was going to be like, right? And yet, on that day, people fell into three groups, again, very similar to the ones that I've been describing to you. Those who had their own ideas about what they wanted Jesus to be right, who had been expecting this great king, a conquering king, who was going to come and liberate the people of Israel from the clutches of the Romans. He was going to ride into town and set everybody free and be this awesome dude. And people were going to be happy and all their problems were going to be fixed and they could get on with their lives. Well, when Jesus arrived for these people, they were disappointed because what on earth is the use of a baby? Okay? They're thinking, do you know what I want for Christmas? I want to be free from the tyranny of these Roman people. I don't want my life to be hard anymore. I want things to go smoothly. I need someone to fix it. Jesus is the guy. They talked about him to come and the prophecy said, la 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 la. And then he arrived and they were like, this is not my plan. This is not what I was expecting. Then there's the second group of people. Whilst there have been prophecies for 700 years, they were clueless. They were uninformed. They may have heard a story or two, but they'd paid no attention to it. So Jesus arrives, and they're like, yeah, it's another kid, awesome, little boy, sweet. Uh, and then they just carried on about their business. They had... They had we may be confused. What's all the excitement about? Why are you guys so bent out of shape? It's a baby. Yay. Um, and then there was the third group of people who had understood the prophecies, who had been anticipating the coming of Jesus. They'd been aware of what their scriptures, the things that they had in those days, had been saying. They were expectant. They were waiting. And when Jesus arrived... He wasn't this baby or this, oh, he's all right. He was Emmanuel. Do you know what the word Emmanuel, the name Emmanuel means? It means God with us. They realized that this baby who had been prophesied about 700 years ago had finally arrived. Messiah had come, Emmanuel, with us. They were excited. And you can read the biblical accounts uh, and you'll hear and you'll see the different characters in the nativity story, as it were, and you can see the enthusiasm and the excitement and the awe and wonder on this third group of people. 
Well, I want us to understand today, my goal really, what I'm trying to illustrate is that Christmas sometimes evokes different feelings in different people, and it means different things. You know, we can get caught up in all the presents and the wrapping and what have you, right? But what I want us to understand today is what Christmas means to God, the Father, okay? And so we're going to read today from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and uh, I'm just going to pull out some thoughts for us today just to help us stay centered at this crazy time. Amen. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Now, when it says great light, it's not saying like 10 times the size of the sun in the sky. Wow. They're talking about a significant light. Does that make sense? A great light, a truly significant light. It's not talking about the size of the light. It's talking about the value of the light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Last week, I'm just going to leave it there for a few moments. Last week, the theme of our carol service was this idea, uh, arise and shine for your light has come. And uh, in a few of the videos, I talked about this idea that darkness is a physical reality in our world but it's also a spiritual reality. And I talked about how darkness is not a thing, it's the absence of a thing, it's the absence of light. Yes? And that applies in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. And so when Isaiah is talking about people walking in darkness, he is talking in a spiritual sense. This idea that we are the blind leading the blind, trying to find our way in a dark world where uh, sick people can't heal sick people, you know, where blind people can't lead blind people, how we're all in uh, uh, this dark black soup of sin, if that makes sense. Um, and, and when Isaiah says this great darkness, those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This idea that hope, like a match, a spiritual match in this, in this vast darkness that we were existing as humanity was lit. And if you imagine this image of dawn, you know when the, it's dark, right? Uh, it doesn't suddenly go bright, like midday bright, amen? Uh, we start to see on the sky, amidst all the darkness, uh, a light starting to build, yeah? That's the first light. And then at some point, the sun breaks its face above the horizon. And there's this growing light. Yes? Jesus' coming, in effect, was like the break of dawn. Um, and we'll understand how, as his life has lived, that light got brighter and brighter. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's carry on reading from verse 6. Uh, this is what Isaiah said. Uh, and there's a clue in what Jesus would be like in what he said here. For to us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of 
of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, Isaiah said, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's, and over, and on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So you can read that passage and you can understand how some people thought, this is the dude. And they were right, but he just didn't come packaged like they imagined him. And Isaiah is saying, and he will be, and he will be, and he will be, simply because they were looking ahead to it. It's wonderful, folks, that you and I live in a different position in time. Time has been split now already by the coming of Jesus, and we can see all that he's already achieved. Amen. So we don't say he will be called, we say, and he is, because he's come, and he's grown up, and he's died on the cross, and he's achieved all that he was destined to do in his life on the earth. Um. For me personally, when I think about the fact that God came as a child, I think it's genius. For some people, it was like the most disappointing news ever. Uh, but there was a reason why Jesus was born and came as a child. And I think it'll become clearer for all of us today you know, if you come and you're God and you come to earth to be with your people and you are born, you force humanity to watch you grow. You force humanity to see you live your life. You force humanity to be around you while this is all happening. They see your development. They see your story. And they relate to you. Can you see the reason here? Now I'm saying this because there's a serious danger and I can put my hand up today and I can own up to falling into this trap and, and the danger is that Jesus becomes for us like a magic genie. You know where we go and get the lamp out the cupboard, give it a bit of a rub and he pops out and we say, genie, I want you to fix all my problems today. He fixes all our problems and we say, Thank you very much. You can go back into your lamp now. Okay? And this is the danger. If Jesus had rode into town as this conquering king, we might have thought, ah, oh, he's fixed all of our problems and we'll just carry on with our lives. But that wasn't the point of Jesus coming or God coming in the form of Jesus. The point that God was trying to achieve in the coming of Jesus is that we would relate and this is the thing that's so important for us at this time of year, to remember what's really, really, really important. You know? Sometimes you might get a gift on Christmas Day, and you are so disappointed that it affects your relationships. Amen. And inside, something even may have felt like it died, and a relationship was affected. And I think to myself, that's not how it was supposed to be. You know, it's not about the stuff, is it? It's about the people that we're with. But we can so easily get caught up in the stuff and forget what's important. What's important at Christmas is not our magic genie, but the person who is Jesus, 
who put aside his glory to humble himself, to be wrapped in humanity as a baby in a filthy manger where animals eat, right? A man who wants to grow up amongst us and interact with us and relate with us on a daily basis. Amen. That's why Jesus came as a baby, not a conquering king. Uh, the Bible talks about in, uh, in verse 6, I believe, it says the government will be on his shoulders and he will rule and have dominion. Um, I, wouldn't not, I would not want to be a president. I would not want to be a prime minister of any nation. It's crazy what's going on right now in the world. And the kind of people who are getting a platform to lead nations. It's ridiculous. Okay? But it's a reality of the fact that God never intended for us to be ruled by earthly kings. Because it's an impossible job. It doesn't matter who you are or how qualified you are, or how uh, presidential or prime ministerial you might be, you are a human being, and you are limited, and you will make some people super happy, and you will infuriate other people. Some people will think you are the best thing since sliced bread. Some people will think you're the devil. Okay? The government was supposed to be on the shoulders of Jesus. He is the only one fit to rule us. As his people. You know, if you look in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 8, the people come to the prophet Samuel and they infuriate him because they say, Give us an earthly king. Give us an earthly king. And Samuel goes to God and tells God what the people are saying, and God says, Let them have what they want. Can I just leave it there as to say that we have hope, folks? as the people of God, because we have the real king. Amen. We have the real king who has real power, who has real wisdom. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. Those are my opening thoughts for you this morning. So <coughs> here's what I've called um, the message this morning, God's gift. Because I want us today to understand actually what God is giving us. Uh, it's important for us to be aware of what we have wrapped up in the face and the skin and the body of the Jesus that we know. Amen? God's gift to us. What does his, his gift mean to us today? Because his greatest gift for us is his presence with us right now in this moment. Uh, Isaiah describes four names which I think are so helpful for us today in terms of the way that God wants us to relate to Jesus. Remember, it's not a genie, it's a relationship. Um, verse 6, Isaiah says, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. That's the first one I want us to look at today. Who and where do you go for your advice? and your wisdom in life. 
If you're going to a human being, there are some seriously clever ones out there, full of wisdom, but they are limited. Yes? Some of us go wise places for our guidance. Some of us go seriously crazy places. And we consider the counsel of really unhelpful things and people. Um, my, my advice to you today, folks, is if, if you want wise counsel, if you want wisdom, real wisdom, about any decision that you're going to make in life, Jesus is the place to go. Amen. Uh, he, that word, those words, wonderful counselor, describe an extraordinary advisor. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship, a daily relationship of checking in and communicating. John 16, 13 says, But when He, talking about the Holy Spirit, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. James 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks Wisdom, you should ask God. Not your horoscopes, not tarot cards, not whatever. Create the list there. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He knows you. He knows who you are. He knows his plans for your life. He knows what is good who gives, listen to this, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. That's an amazing scripture that God gives wisdom to all without finding fault. So it's not like he'll say, mm, I'll talk to you, but you not so much because you're naughty and I don't like the things that you're doing in your life. So, sorry, but you I like because you're a good guy. You've got your socks pulled right up and I'm impressed by you. God is not like that. The Bible says that if we go to him and we honestly want his wisdom, he will give it. Without finding fault. Without finding fault. So this Christmas... Let's go to Jesus, God's best gift to us, and seek his wisdom. Amen. The next name that's given for Jesus is Mighty God. The Bible talks about how some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. This idea that we put our trust in man to set us free and to set us up in life. It's a stumbling block. Amen. The Bible describes Jesus, one of his names is Mighty God. That means all-powerful, unconquerable, forever in control. And it's talking about miraculous power. That word dunamis that we hear regularly in church, God's miracle-working power, that is the power of the God who loves us, who lives in us and who is for us. 
He is mighty God. So we don't trust in a president or a prime minister or, or some system. We ultimately trust God with our lives. Amen. That's really helpful. He's the one who cares for us and who looks after us. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than a conqueror. We're not just a conqueror. We're much more than a conqueror through him who loved us. That means that he's more than a conqueror. Amen. He conquered death on Easter. No one has conquered death. If he can beat death, he can beat anything. He's a miraculous God. Acts 1.8 says that you and I will receive power. That's the same power, by the way. That's the same power that Jesus used when he walked the earth. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead after three days. That power by the Holy Spirit lives in you and me. Why on earth do we trust in the ability of men to save us? Instead of running to Jesus and finding strength and freedom in Him. Amen. Amen. The third name is Everlasting Father. That word Father is like the head of a tribe or um, if you think of it the source of a generation when it talks about God as our um, everlasting father he is the initiator of life he is our initiator he was the one who thought about us before he made us yes and the Bible says time and time again that he is good he is a good Father who has good things for us. Let's have a look at a few verses. Uh, James 1.17. Listen to this, please. Every good and perfect gift. Man, if you want good gifts at Christmas, you need to go to Jesus. Okay? Every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. So, he's described as the Father of all of heaven. And his word, it was created. He is a father in the truest sense. He is faithful in the truest sense. And he is everlasting in the truest sense. But, uh, sorry, the scriptures coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He is good. You know, uh, us earthly dads, we try our best to be the best dads possible. I believe that no father really goes out of their way to be rubbish. Okay? But we are humans, right? And we have histories and we have issues just like everybody else. And we live in a generation which is fatherless because I believe the devil, he is working hard to rip fathers out of families. But we have a heavenly father, the Bible says, who's going to turn the hearts of the children back to the father. And the hearts of the fathers back to the children. He is a good, good father. If you didn't have a good father, don't let your experience define the way that you relate 
to God because he is another story altogether and he is the father that you've been looking for all of your life. He is perfect. He's on your side and he's done everything to achieve the best for you in this life. He wants to be with you for eternity. That's how much he loves you. He's not absent. He's not delinquent. He's not asleep and unaware. He knows every hair on your head. He loves you. And this Christmas, I'm trusting that even us will be able to relate even better to Jesus as everlasting Father. And the fourth name that's given to Jesus is the name Prince of Peace. You know, when you think about Christmas, it is so unimportant in terms of what we've made it. When you think of the people living in places like Aleppo at this time of the year, it's just rubbish, isn't it? It means nothing. All this running around and the gifts. When you imagine people stood in a destroyed city with nothing. How does Jesus mean anything to people like them? He's not some commercial guy. He's real. And our gospel needs to be able to relate to people like that too. Not just in the first world, when we've got flick a switch and the lights come on and everything's great. We have our own first world problems. Right? He is the Prince of Peace. That's what the Bible describes Jesus as. What does that mean for you and me? That word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. Which means wholeness. It means peace on every level. It's not the absence of difficulty. It's peace in the presence of difficulty. It's knowing that you are being made whole by a God who loves you and that one day when this life is finished and some people are dreaming for that day, perfection comes. When we will know perfection in every aspect. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. John 14, 27, Jesus' words, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do you know what? World peace is a shallow thing. It is fragile, it's, it's an illusion. Let's be honest. We can strive for world peace, but without God... It'll never happen. Uh, I do not give as the world gives, Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. How is it possible that in the midst of all the difficulties of life, Jesus can expect our hearts to not be troubled and not be afraid? If Jesus is this imaginary guy that we celebrate at Christmas every year, this story that's been handed down over generations and generations, if that's all he is, he will affect no peace in our hearts and in our lives and in the world. But if he was born on that first Christmas day, let's just call it that, and if he grew up amongst us, 
And if he walked like we walked and he related to us and if he lived and died for us and if he came by his spirit to live in us always to never leave us or forsake us, if his power lives in us and is regenerating us from the inside out, then it is possible to know peace in the midst of trouble and strife and all that this world has to offer. And that's what Christmas offers us. That's God's gift to us in this season. His wonderful counsel. He's so wise and kind that he would even impart any to us. He is so mighty that even his words speak the planets into being. He is the father of life who lives forever who is your creator, who is your designer, who is passionately in love with you and who runs to you every day of your life. And number four, he is the prince of peace. One day when he comes and returns, there will be an end to all strife that we can ever experience in this life. But until that day comes, we still can know his peace if we run to him. Amen. And so that's my challenge for us today. Please don't let Christmas, Christmas become about the gifts or the hands. Let it be about the giver. Amen. Let it be about the people in your family, your friends. And let it be about God who is more than just a genie who loves you tenderly and who came to show you his love at Christmas. Lord, we thank you. You are so much more than we could have imagined or hoped for, Jesus. We celebrate your birth at this time of year, Lord, because we understand who you are and what you've come to achieve. That you are the rescue mission sent by the Father to live amongst us, to achieve freedom for us, and who empowers us today to live for your glory. Lord, I pray, let your light shine on us, God. As Simeon declared you were in uh, the book of Luke, Lord, you are a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And I pray, God, that by your Spirit, you would help us to become more and more aware to the light of Jesus in the earth and in our lives. And that your light would shine on us, Lord Jesus, and that we would reflect your light back into the world. And that we would take hope to those who are hopeless and life to those who are lifeless, Lord. We love you, Lord. Give you all the glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.